Hello everyone, my name is Maggie. And my name is Nathan. And this is Untold Stories from Below the Line. It is Sunday, May 17th, mm-hmm. 2020, and it is day 62 of quarantine for me. I can't believe it. 60 day, uh, and 60, it's 63 for you. 63 for me. Yeah, it just sounds like 60 just sounds like 60 sounds insane. older. It does. <laughs> Sounds much later than I thought it would be right now. Um, but okay, so let's get into our episode. We have uh, Felicity Pickering with us today, and she is a wonderful director, mm-hmm. writer, um, and producer. She's produced her own stuff too, which is amazing. Um, and so, do you want to introduce yourself, Felicity? Yeah, I'm from Sydney, Australia, uh, and I moved to LA in 2017. Um, and so I've been living over here and working. Um, and I just recently did a six month stint back in Sydney. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, loving the LA life. Cool. So how did you find your passion? So how'd you get started in filmmaking? Was it, uh, did you go to school? What was your process? Yeah. So, um, I actually started out as a playwright. Um, when I was 15, I decided with a moment of clarity, that I wanted to be a playwright. But then I had a bit of a career change at 23 um, and moved into film a bit more. Um, I started doing a master's of media arts production. And then uh, in 2017, I decided to move to LA, started working at um, Adaptive Studios. And then I started working at um, Mad Minds Entertainment. And then I had a little uh, visa hijink that led me back to Australia for six months. And I worked a little bit in TV back in Australia while I was there and now I'm back in LA and then COVID hit. So that's, that's kind nice. of my, you know, life story, yeah. <laughs> my wow. whole life story yeah. in a yeah. nutshell. Um, yeah. All of our, all of our life stories end with, and COVID hit. And then we're here. <laughs> and now we're in quarantine. Uh, so are you able to tell us like what your exact job title is or what would yeah, constrain? Yeah, what was your job title before you got that Australia? Yeah send back um yeah so i guess uh it was like i was often like an office coordinator or executive assistant um mm-hmm. and then mm, the, yeah that, that was it yeah office coordinator kind of like an office admin oh, okay. gotcha. how did you find those jobs um i think the uh adaptive studios it took me a, a long time to get that job um it was mm-hmm. probably and I think that I was a little shocked at that at first, which I think is just naivety. Um, when you move to LA, you kind of always think like, oh, something will happen pretty quick. But then it's like, mm-hmm. uh, no. Uh, but no, I found right. that on like It a, changes so fast. Yeah, it changes so fast. So I think I got on the UTA job list um, and then I'd gotten mm-hmm. that gig. Uh, and then Mad Minds Entertainment, I actually got it from uh, a fellow Australian in LA. So what do you do? What are you currently doing right now? Yeah. What's the situation now? Yeah. So the situation now is, so I kind of came back to LA kind of, uh, with a spring in my step and a renewed passion for LA. Um, and so I've kind of been applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, but then of course, uh, I had a couple of leads, but then when coronavirus hit, obviously people kind of like new hires really took a backseat. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and sadly, um, my husband, he got made redundant at his workplace. So it's kind of a bit, you know, I think for everyone, it's a bit of a, a bit of a, a setback, time, yeah. for sure. Um, but it's kind of, 
you've got to, you know, I think that you got to take care of, you got to take care of yourself, obviously, mental health wise, but then also you just got to keep creating and keep on, just like what you guys are doing. You're making stuff, you're using the time well, you're skilling up. Um, and so that's definitely what, you know, both of us are doing right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. That's how we're trying to yeah. cope and, um, and get through right. it. No, for sure. Um, what was your first job in the industry? Yeah, um, so my first job in the industry was uh, department coordinator of business and audience. Mm. Um, and that was kind of uh, a very fancy name. But, you know, it was kind of, it was actually a really great job in terms of, um, you know, I did a lot of admin, um, but also like uh, I handled like the travel of my boss who was going to, uh, you know, TIFF going to Cannes, going to Sundance, um, doing a lot of international travel to all the film uh, film festivals internationally. And then we would like have little events, um, like, you know, Screen Australia would host a party for the Oscars because yeah. a lot of people, uh, that a lot of Australian filmmakers got in that year or something like that. So it was, it was a fantastic, mm. in terms of my first job in film, um, it was incredible. Yeah, how old were you? I was... Probably, I'd be 23. Yeah, 23 years old when I got that. Um, and I kind of, yeah, it was kind of, it was a bit of a funny move because it was like I had been theater uh, previously. And I think to a lot of people, mm. I was like a right. theater person. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, maybe that's something to say about lateral moves. Like you, you wouldn't think getting a job in theater would then mean you get a job in film. Um, but that's how sometimes it happens. It's just, mm. you know, entertainment is pretty wide net. Right. And sometimes yeah. it just pays to just go where you want and um, see where your passions kind of take you. When you're an assistant, there's always that thing where it's kind of like, well, this is great, but I'd like to be the person <laughs> doing the traveling. Yeah. yeah. Tell us where you want to be, even if that's like in a year or two or down the road. Where do you see yourself? Yeah. What's the dream job? The dream job is being a showrunner, or um, I think I, I, I'm wary to say independent filmmaker because that could be very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe commercial movies with heart, um, or yeah. yeah, just so you know, not blockbusters. Like I'd never see myself doing something Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, related. Um, but I think that. Uh, like Netflix sincere. and Hulu. Yeah, maybe Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Netflix, Hulu, <laughs> wherever independent film is going to end up yeah. going. Um, but a independent film that breaks even, yeah. if that's mm-hmm. such a thing, uh, would be Gotcha. Great. I was going to ask, what steps are you taking into becoming a showrunner? Yeah, because Nathan is Cause kind was... of on the same track. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's very interesting in terms of I think that there's like an Australian way of becoming a showrunner and then there's like an American way of being a showrunner um, in terms of like the paths yeah. you take. Um, and I had some really nice meetings when I first arrived here where people were kind of like, you can either go the assistant mm. route and um, work your way up and become the assistant to a producer and then someone gives you your break and that could take like five years of working really hard and uh, sh- you know showing who you are. Or the other route you can take is just become a really good writer and director mm-hmm. um, and generate your own stuff. Um, and ge- yeah, generate your own stuff, make your own stuff, and then they kind of come to you. Which, 
you know, and I say come to you in like inverted commas, like no one's ever going right. to just come to you, but make good enough work that you get noticed mm -hmm. as a talent. Right. Um, and so I think during COVID times, that's the second version of it. That's really the Australian way where in Australia, you don't have this kind of assistant uh, net, like it, there's not as many studios, like right. network studios where you become an assistant, like if the whole structure is different in Australia. In Australia, you just make content and you hope that you get funding and you right. apply for funding. Um, and I think that, uh, I think, yeah, sometimes I think that, um, I think in America, it, I think it's really important to remember why you got in the industry. Yeah. And the reason you got in the industry is to make stuff mm. and to have your voice um, or to, you know, kind of to see yourself on the screen or to have the ideas that live inside your head live on a screen. Um, and I think sometimes you can do that as an assistant, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a longer mm. trek. Yeah. You know, you know, time is very relevant right now, but it's like, I think it's really important to make stuff if you can. It sounds like you use a little bit of both when it comes to uh, using like, like assistant side of things mm -hmm. and you uh, write and are a part of like writing groups and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely kind of, yeah, I think it's like as well if, you know, if one of them's, you don't feel like one of them's working for you, you try the other, you know, you try different techniques. Um, so if the assistant thing, it doesn't feel like I'm, you know, getting somewhere as an assistant, then I'm going to start look at, you know, trying to make my own thing. Um, but then also if I feel like making my own things isn't getting me where I want to go, then it's like, well, then why not take an assistant position? Um yeah, it's important to make work, um, but also to know people. And I think mm -hmm. that's something that I always am really aware that I need to balance that, you know, if you just make work and no one sees it and you're known to anyone, um, then you're kind of creating in a vacuum. And even the most mm -hmm. talented people, if they are creating in a vacuum, nothing's going to come of it. So it's so important to advocate for yourself. Um, any way you can yeah. and sometimes that's being for an sure. assistant or yeah. you know uh meeting people mm -hmm. through work mm -hmm. yeah okay for sure. what was it like for you to enter the industry coming from another country yeah like how did you find your connections or did you find any other australians out here and what was the you know the difference between working there and mm -hmm. working here um i think you know what i think it's it, it's kind of it's it's funny because sometimes i think um, I think, oh, you know, I came from a different country and you've got to start all over again. And, um, but I think that the more I've been in LA, I've kind of realized that everyone, when they move to LA, unless you're born in LA, that's, that's another thing. Um, they, everyone starts again. Um, yeah. and I don't think that I realized that, um, before coming to, before coming to LA, I thought I was going to be like, oh, it's going to be a big uh, hurdle to kind of start again but I think that I've even heard that people come from New York you know you can have a career in New York and you move to LA and those connections and the things that you've done in New York don't yeah. mean as much um, mm. and to me that feels really crazy because I'm like you're in the same country like if you've worked in you know <laughs> if you worked in Chicago or you worked in New York you've still worked in America um, but then when I came to LA I kind of realized that like that wasn't the case. It's really people really assess you by what you've done in LA. Um, yeah, so I don't totally. think that, yeah, it's kind of that thing of um, you're not alone 
in feeling like you're starting again when you move to LA. Mm -hmm. I think it's everyone. I like that. I feel like I'm starting again every time I get a new gig. (laughs) Okay, here we go again. I feel like we all are starting again after this pandemic. Yeah, that's true too. We're all... We're all back to square one. Right. Um, how has LA uh, inspired your writing and directing style? Because I know you you shot a movie in Australia, um, but how has do you think that your writing has changed since you've arrived in LA? Um, I think that um, from what I've seen, I think Australia is very short film based. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's this big focus on you make short films and then they get recognized or they go to international festivals and that's your your way of creating. Um, I think that LA definitely there, I don't think I'd really invested that much time in writing a feature. When I was back in Australia, it was all about shorts and generating shorts and like maybe thinking about a feature. But I think when I came to LA, and kind of talk to more people, I was just like, wow, this really is a town where if you have a good script, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's definitely over here, you know, people have six features on the go, um, but they'll have never made a short film. It actually comes from what opportunities are offered. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very rare in Australia, anyone would read your script if you're, if you don't mm-hmm. have an established, if you're not established and you write a script in Australia, um, it's very unlikely someone's just going to make it. Um, but I think in LA, if you write a really, you know, dynamite feature mm-hmm. script or a really amazing pilot, um, it can take you very, like it can take you very far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like one of my favorite stories that I heard when like, I first came here was, um, I was doing a very, like, a you know, just a really shitty job. And someone told me that, uh, their friend was a babysitter and, her you know the the dad that she was babysitting the kid of um was like a someone big in hollywood and then he was just like oh i hear you're a writer and she was like yeah and then he was like oh well show me your writing and then she read this read the feature he read the feature that she wrote and um he gave her ten thousand dollars for it um, and bought the rights and so i think that's what's amazing about ellen Mm. um Mm. that would never in a million years happen in Australia, mm-hmm. um, and you know, ten thousand dollars in the grand scheme of things isn't a huge amount of money for a script. Right. right. But it's made me definitely go, hey, maybe you know, write some good scripts and pilots. Um, so I think, yeah, in some ways, it's kind of like a focused more on um, writing features, yeah, mm-hmm. and pilots rather than short films. Yeah. Um, I have a question. What is it like to, because you've produced, written, and directed your own project, right? Yes. How was that process like? Um, it was very busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Um, yeah, it was very busy. Um, and of course, uh, Maggie was a wonderful colorist on uh, Tony Fitzgerald's Cult Following. So she fun. did an amazing job. <laughs> I was um, so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but you did amazing. Thank um, you. And yeah, it's a it's great kind of, movie. It's fabulous. Oh, I was you. telling Nathan all about mm-hmm. it um, and showing him all the stuff. Uh, it's really cool. Thank With all you. Australian casts and your friends. So many <laughs> it's friends. It's cute. Yeah. Yes. It was a majority like women, right? You said, yeah, you, or... ha- you have a, a f- like a, a female lead and, you know, she's doing comedy, which is like really cool because you don't see a lot of. It's like very male 
dominated. Yeah, very male dominated industry. So yeah. I was like all about that, and just like all I the really characters like are very funny. Oh, so. yeah. With that project, um, that project, I was very actively seeking women. So in a female DOP, um, mm-hmm. a female producer. Yeah, it was like almost all women. Yeah. Made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the the script was um, it was gender swapped because. Um, I went to a women in theater and screen uh, meeting in Australia and I kind of, yeah, I always considered, I've always been a big feminist and um, I've always been uh, for women. Um, And then I kind of went to a talk and they were talking about, I don't think I realized how much um, actresses aren't given good parts. I think that like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, now of course I know it, but back then, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know that, you know, women are often given such bad parts. And and I looked at Mm -hmm. my script for Tony Fitzgerald's cult following was about, uh, two male comedians. Um, Mm -hmm. and then like the, uh, the two women in it were like a dumb blonde girlfriend and then an old naggy mother. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, Oh shit. I'm like, I'm part of the problem. I'm like, here I am, like a female writer, director, and I'm writing the shitty parts for women. Um, and so that's kind of how that happened. I ended up gender swapping it um, and making it about female comedians. But then I had like the whole thing of like, well, I'm writing about female comedians who like aren't good. And then I was like, oh no, <laughs> like I don't want to put up that message out there. Um, but I think in the end, overall, it's a positive message about women. And I would also recommend. I did the dumbest thing the week before production. I was working two jobs at that time. I was working in IT at like a, I was working in HR at an IT company. And I was also working at Playwriting Australia at the time. And oh my gosh, like if you're producing your own project, give yourself a week off the week before because everyone was calling me and um, it was just really hard to just have to like literally hang up on people who are, you know, helping you with your film because I was just at work and I like, you know, couldn't be seen doing my own work. So that's my my hot tip if you're directing and writing and producing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Take a week off. Um, before, <laughs> yes. <laughs> before Give yourself you time shoot. to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that doesn't yeah. happen a lot. I mean, I see yeah. all of my line producer friends and directing friends still working and hustling, even mm. though it's the week of yeah. shooting. <laughs> Yeah, and just expect a lot of calls. Expect yeah. people to call you and expect you to be able to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, and just talk them through for 10 minutes, like what's what's yeah. going yeah. on. Yeah, so um, during your process, when you write, mm-hmm. are you writing for somebody? Like, are you going to write for the producer you want to sell that script to? Or are you kind of writing from the heart and allowing, you know, whatever you want to be on the page, on the page? I guess with all artists, it's the same thing. It's kind of like you you write what you want to watch. Um, and so often um, I'll write about stuff that I'm that I struggle with or really human moments that I don't feel like I've seen on screen or yeah, struggles that I think um, everyone can kind of relate to. I think, yeah, it's very interesting here as well. There's this kind of thing where you know, you can write a script for the blacklist and try and really hard to get on the blacklist. Or, um, I don't think I'm kind of writing commercial scripts right now. I think of what I'm really writing is I'm writing indie indie features right now. Oh, yeah. Um, that you know, uh, I would love to direct one day. 
or yeah. right. you know that I, that I I think that when I my writing right now is I very much write for a small budget mm-hmm. currently. Mm. Okay. Um, what is the blacklist? So like the blacklist is just kind of you know there's all these different ones like I think there's like the blood list and then there's like one for British writers um, and there's all these like Austin Film Festival there's all these great screenwriting competitions that you can enter and you can enter your screenplay in them. And then essentially what happens is like development execs then read those lists. Um, and then if they liked your stuff, then like, you know, you might get an email out of the blue being like, Hey, we'd love to have a meeting with you. And then they might be like, Hey, we want to option your script for 20 grand. Well, being blacklisted could be being blacklisted. I feel like there's two different sectors. There's the writing sector of being blacklisted where you mm. want to be blacklisted onto this blacklist. And then there's <laughs> like the there's, other there's side. There's being blacklisted <laughs> in that you are bad. And you don't <laughs> you're banned. Be on set. No more on set. And that's usually yeah. what it no, is. No, you're probably right. Right? Yeah. You want to be blacklisted in the writing sense, but not in the production sense. I think. Okay. Copy. Because gotcha. <laughs> like, I had never heard of that blacklist, you know, and yeah, writing. Yeah, me neither. Not very, in that sense. Yeah, we're very heavily production-based. <laughs> uh, production people. <laughs> people in this industry. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, there's also, there's like slam dance screen competitions and Sundance screen, you know, screenwriting oh, yeah, competitions. Sundance. And I think it's kind of like, right. yeah, you just submit to that and, you know, maybe you get a manager or an agent out of that. Um, but there's, you know, there's so many different ways to do everything. You might just be a nanny to uh, develop, you know, development exec, <laughs> yeah. and then that's right. how that happens. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's the beauty. I don't know. I think that's really the beautiful thing about LA, that those kind of stuff yeah. happen. What's your uh, What's your method as a writer? Do you isolate yourself in a room, or like, do you have a writers group? I know you mentioned that you have a writers group. How? how what helps you? What's your method? Yeah, so I've got a really lovely um, ladies ladies who write is like a little uh, writing group that I. Uh, kind of host um, and so it's kind of a group of different like LA writers uh, who we all quite a, you know I think about half of them if not more are Australians um, who are over in LA and um, we meet up once a month and we we kind of you know we'll each have like 10 pages and we'll just read them aloud and we'll assign characters and we'll just read whatever you wrote um i find that hugely helpful in one way because it's like a support group and it's just kind of like we all get together and mm-hmm. go like keep on trucking like we can do this um but then also like i think definitely coming from a playwriting background i love hearing my words aloud it really helps me figure out what's not natural and what's funny and what's not funny being an artist in any sense like a filmmaker writer in production or anything you do i think that like we all have the same kind of struggles i think it's really hard for all of us um so it's so important to surround yourself with other people who are doing the same thing as you like i definitely i i love to talk to my friends who are filmmakers and often we have the same struggles like it's often I think definitely getting to like the pointier end of like, you know, of course this is probably very young for people older, but like I'm turning 30 this year. And I think um, it's so important to talk to other people in your industry. And like my, always my theory has been like, we all rise together. Right. The best yes. connections are the, are friends and the best friends are connections. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, and then my other thing that I do, Nathan, is um, uh, it's also going to be like my coronavirus tip, mm. um, is that I have a chart. Um, literally at the moment, I have made myself a chart 
and I've got stickers. Oh. And I get a sticker if I do an hour of reading. And I do a, get a sticker if I do like an hour of life admin, oh. and I get a sticker if I do an hour of writing. I love that. And wow. I love that. It's like that's like it's so, so second grade, and I appreciate it so much. It reminds me of kindergarten. Yeah. Are you kidding me? When you get the gold like sticker, the though, there's different star. colors, but yeah. like, oh, just getting a sticker in general is just like the best feeling. Yeah. No, right now I've got love heart stickers, which oh. is very nice. Wow. Quarantine's been going for on, for months now, but I just feel like the sticker system. <laughs> Um, the sticker system works for me, but it just comes down to the fact that it's like, there is so little instant gratification in writing. Like, yeah. you know, you can write something right. and then it's two years before you get like, a, like good job or like, you're recognized. Um, and so I think that it's kind of like, it's just really nice to be like, look, I'm going to put an hour timer on my phone. Mm, I'm going to. Yeah. Um, I can't look at my phone during this time. Mm -hmm. I can't like go up and be like, oh, I think I'll cut myself an orange or something. It's like, <laughs> it's just yeah. like, you know, even if you don't, if you just think and you don't write that much, you spend an hour thinking about this project. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And then you get a sticker. Yeah, you get like, your sticker. <laughs> your sticker. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I'm kind of trying to stay sharp. And I think that's, that's my process is to write. I really need to like block everyone out and be a real dick about it sometimes. And then, you know, obviously watch Mad Men for hours afterwards, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is something that you've done or maybe you've seen someone do that you would want to like tell them? Yeah. Uh, hey, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Um, I totally prepared an answer for this because I listen to the other podcasts. Um, so uh, mm -hmm. uh, my thing is, and it's more so just a tip for people who are starting out, um, is that uh, it's going to feel really unnatural, but I think when you when you stuff up um you don't always have to tell the supervisor you don't have to tell the person in charge mm -hmm. sometimes it's just what a good idea is to do is just try and figure out mm -hmm. a solution for yourself and then if that solution doesn't work then tell your supervisor um i think i have a tendency like when i was new in the industry was if something went wrong i went straight to my supervisor um, and then as I kind of got older, I realized, you know, some people are just kind of like bluffing a little bit and maybe they make a mistake, but they cover it mm -hmm. well and no one notices. And then it's absolutely fine. Like, that's just what, that's how the world works. Um, you don't need to run to your supervisor and say, oh my God, I stuffed up um, and don't panic. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, in some ways it's really weird, but it's kind of bluff a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, the whole thing of like, yeah, fake it till you make it. Look up, look up stuff online. Um, Google things. Don't be afraid to try a solution out yourself first, and then go to your supervisor unless it comes to safety. That's very good advice, it Felicity. Is. So, uh, so let's get to our COVID nineteen kind of coverage. Just give us like yeah. a timestamp of like where you're at and how long you've been quarantining. I feel like I have been quarantining forever. Um, I'm sure that's, <laughs> I'm sure that's everyone. Um, but it kind of like, I think I came back to LA in February. I think, yeah, I've been quarantining since February. Wow. Um, mm. Because I just came back from, um, I remember I was, I was in the airport and I think I went through Fiji and everyone was kind of wearing masks and I was kind of like, ooh, this is a bit scary. And there mm -hmm. were, you know, stuff, people were talking about it in Australia. Um, 
and people were a bit worried about flying and I was like, oh, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Like it wasn't a big deal then. And then I arrived um, and then it just got so serious. It just was, it was just to me because I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just crazy to suddenly, you know, my husband was working from home now. And, and I think as well in Australia, it was very different because it wasn't as serious in Australia. Um, but in LA, it was much more serious. And I felt like I could really sense um, the various levels. Like, you know, when we were in lockdown in LA, people in Australia were on the beach. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was just made me really scared for them. But people were in Australia really weren't taking it seriously for a little while. Um, and then but now it's yeah. How is New it now? Zealand is doing really well. And then Australia wasn't weren't it wasn't it better? It's yeah. Australia is going really, really well because yeah. um, they're like they're doing they're being really stringent about it. Stuff like if I went back to Australia right now. Um, I would have to spend two weeks in a hotel quarantined, which the Australian government pays for. Um, wow. So, and goodness, and, government. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, have you heard about what the new normal would look like after Corona? Like, is for writers or have I don't you heard know. anything from the news? All I know is um, some TV shows back in Australia have gone back to shooting. In hard times, people turn to you know, entertainment and like, there's nothing cheaper than TV and films because, you know, you you just watch on Netflix or whatever, like, you know, it's not like going to see a Broadway play or seeing a musical. I think I've just got to, you know, we've all just got to be hopeful and keep creating. Um, And definitely writers keep writing and maybe also, you know, other people be creative any way way you can, just flip flop. Um, But I did want to mention, I am working on a web series at the moment, Mm. um, which I forgot to mention earlier. Uh, which is called uh, Bird Memes. Um, and it's a, a web series about a 30-year-old girl who's trying to make her pet cockatiel famous. Um, yeah. It sounds um, like your life right now. <laughs> Maggie! <laughs> How because dare. I know you have a bird, and I know you're trying to make him famous. I follow yes. him on Instagram, Felicity. I know. Oh, I need to meet this bird. I see you. One of He's many. So no, I'm joking. He's got like, I don't know, not many. He's got like 500 <laughs> followers. Which I'm pretty proud of, to be honest. more than me, first of all. What the heck? more followers than me, okay? He is very sassy. Um, yeah, so I, and also this like one of my steps to try and become a showrunner. Like I was always going to write and direct um, a web series mm-hmm. called Bird Memes. Um, and then uh, coronavirus happened. Mm. And like some of the ladies from the writers group were just like, oh my God, yeah. Felicity, like you have a script for something that's literally just like yeah. an actress with a bird. Oh my God, um, yeah. Like this is a perfect time for you to start shooting that. Um, yeah, and they're just like, oh, well, that's all you need really. Um, but I don't act. Um, yeah. But anyway, but just because, you know, coronavirus makes us all strange, um, I'm going to try and act <laughs> it with wigs. So. Yeah, stay, oh, yeah. stay tuned. <laughs> stay that's tuned so for cool. how it works out. Um, but well, I let's think, see. I really hope that works. Yeah. Thank you. Let's that's see. awesome. Yeah, so that's kind of what I've been working on is bird memes. That's kind of the production element. So I'm in the process of getting like a ring light and uh, getting oh, a bit more cool. of a setup to make kind of content. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. So I guess we can move on to uh, we have a little section of at the end um, at the end of how you can help during Corona or COVID nineteen. And this could um, be like you know helping others, or it could also be mental health, helping yeah. yourself. Yeah, um, I think definitely small businesses. Um, and I think uh, there's a lot of people in LA, and this is kind of serving just the entertainment industry, but there are a lot of people in LA who have small businesses that help support them. Like my friend Tatiana has a, um, a jewelry line called Fade to Black. Um, and so she sells opal jewelry and stuff like that, but she's also an actress. Um, and there are a lot of people out there who kind of have their kind of side hustle mm-hmm. and they also do creative stuff. So I think maybe do a bit of research and like if you still have your job like i think everyone's gonna just try and yeah. uh try their best to stay afoot themselves of course but support small business yeah, and, and help each other out yeah look amongst your friends and mm-hmm. see who needs who yeah needs and like you know yeah. also of course like female-owned businesses like look for really people you know one or two employees who don't don't buy big business at the moment of course we're all going to mm-hmm. because that's just yeah. so realistic um, thing, but you know, little grocery right. stores you that are open, you know, if you want to go to your little yeah supermarket down the road as opposed to Target, that's a good thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's super good advice, I think, because yeah. I think we just turn to something that's very easily ex- uh, accessible, accessible, where you can just help in your local community. Yeah, by just walking down the street. Yeah, so that's super, that's a very good, um, I think that's a really good uh COVID-19 tip. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, okay. Well. Well, thanks, Felicity. This is the end of our episode. Thank you for being on with us today, Felicity. Oh, was... I loved it. Well, thank you, everyone, listening. Yeah, it was super fun today. Thank you, Felicity. And um, go... Rate us. Rate uh, us. Five um, stars, please, on not, Apple. Yeah, we're not used to asking for... <laughs> for, for ratings or reviews but, uh, but please go ahead and do that that would really help yeah. us out i hope everyone has a great day and yes take care of yourself safe. bye, bye.